Mukulika Banerjee, uh, Associate Professor of Social Anthropology here at LSE and also head of LSE's South Asian Centre. Recent book, Why India Votes. Looking at it, listening to you talk about it, it seems to me for you, the vote is about performance, not power. It seems to me, in a way, you're less interested in what the outcomes of voting are than this wonderful event of voting. Is that fair? Partly, because your assumption is that the power of the vote is only in the electoral outcome. Whereas what Why India Votes is arguing is that the act of voting itself is enormously powerful and meaningful. People up and down the country actually say things like, the vote is our weapon. So they feel empowered by the process of participation. And is this rationally connected to judgments by them that decisions they make can produce tangible improvements in their life, or is it merely some residual belief in something called democracy? I think there is a means and ends argument here. So yes, the vote is a means to electing a better government, and democracy is about hope. So every election is about hoping for a better governance, uh, for better provisioning of, in their lives. But the vote itself is an end in itself. So actually the performative power comes from being able to cue um, in an ordered, equal fashion of being valued as a citizen, such that it's just for that one day in a society of deep social inequality, you get the annihilation of caste, as Ambedkar said in LSE alum, you know, the annihilation of the social inequalities. So that... a joining in an act of self-deception, a collective lie, the culture tells itself every few years we are equal, one day. It's not every few years, elections happen practically every year because we have, there are three tiers of democracy in India. And the self-deception is a kind of argument that is about instrumental uses of elections. When we say democracy is not just elections, what we mean is that yes, the rule of law, the separation of powers and so on are terribly important. But what Indian voters are saying, and as an anthropologist, I pay attention to people's own perceptions of these processes, not just what political scientists might tell us, is that this particular act is powerful because it is an enactment of citizenship mm -hmm. and participation, which is at the heart of democracy. Yes. And without that, you don't have democracy. But you have democracy in India, and we're proud of it, and we enjoy it, and these days are of democratic worship are fantastic. But nevertheless, notwithstanding the great growth for which everybody admires India, etc., there seem to me to be sort of three Indias. You know, there's the rich elite community, query the corruption. Then there are still extraordinary levels of poverty. And thirdly, rarely talked about here, there's violent India. There's politically motivated violence, which is not all explained away by saying it's Pakistan. This is a society which is extremely divided in multiple ways, notwithstanding this occasional vote. Would that be true? Everyday violence is rife, deep, deep social inequality, um, and a failure of the Indian state on multiple levels, as you've just outlined. In fact, it is precisely for these reasons that the puzzle becomes so deep mm -hmm. of why on earth do people bother engaging with a system that continually fails them? Has the growth translated to people's incomes going up? across the country. These are the questions that people ask. But you answer them yourself by saying kind of, oh, they don't care about all that. They love the vote. I go to this village or that village, and I find this esprit de corps. 
it is not about not caring about those things. They absolutely care about it. But as you see, there is a certain culture of claim making that has come up in India after 60 years of democratic practice, where the way people explain it is to be able to vote as a foundational right. Right? Without ex exercising this right, you can't claim your other rights. Oh, so it's to the security. gateway to everything else. Yes, and it is essential. It's an essential premise on which everything else rests. You leave here and there's a phone call from the Prime Minister of India, Narendra Modi. And he says, look, I know about this book. Is there one thing, I'm starting out running this extraordinary democracy. Is there one thing that I could do, feasible, capable of being done, one thing that would make a difference? Tell me what it is. What would that one thing be that you would tell the Prime Minister of India? Public institutions. Protect and do not interfere and reinforce public institutions. There have been dangerous signs during the 2014 election campaign of the uh, integrity of the Election Commission of India being called into question by the BJP. And I think that's a very, very dangerous sign. The Election Commission of India is the best public institution, the most respected public institution in India, it should not be interfered with. And that goes for all other institutions which are slowly being eroded and not being reinforced. So the one, my one message to the Prime Minister of India would be strengthen public institutions. Bukalika Banerjee, thank you very much for submitting yourself to the Girti Brilling. Thank you.